Welcome to Make the Grade with the success doctor, Stephen Green, where you'll discover actionable strategies to help your student to reach their academic goals, to excel at standardized testing, and to plan for the college admissions process painlessly. And now, here's your host, Dr. Stephen Green. Is that time again, everyone? Welcome back to the Make the Grade podcast. Your host, Stephen Green, success doctor. And today is podcast guest day. I got a guest all the way from Houston, Texas. <laughs> Houston, Texas. Houston, Texas. Uh, she got a really cool, a really cool offering. And I think you're going to find this very, very interesting. Her name is Donna Durbin, and her business is called The Clear English Coach. Think about it. What, do you, what would that mean to you? What do you think that means? Let me tell you. She specializes in accent reduction and American English pronunciation. i got to really make sure my articulation is good today with Donna here. For individuals who speak English as a second language. And she does this at an intermediate and advanced level. This training helps to modify MTI. Who knows what MTI stands for? I bet Donna knows. Uh, mother tongue influence. So they can express themselves clearly and effectively. And this has got to be a really important service, especially in our international world nowadays, where so much customer support is coming overseas and things like that. So welcome, Donna Durbin from Houston, Texas. Welcome to Make the Great Podcast. Happy New Year. Thank you so much for you know, inviting me to participate. I, I am right honored to here. have you on here. And uh, yes, for those of you who may be listening to this somewhere down the road, it is okay. early January 2022. <laughs> and uh, the quick weather reported, it is snowy and very cold in Philadelphia, and it is probably a lot warmer in Houston <laughs> on the Gulf of Mexico. But uh, Donna, I find what you do fascinating. And I'm going to tell you why for two reasons, and I want you to talk about it. First of all, I think some people just have a natural aptitude for language. My sister can speak seven languages. It's unbelievable. She, you say something once, she has an incredible memory for it. English, Spanish, French, Italian, Latin. If you, do people speak Latin? Latin uh, and two Pubelizian dialects. She's actually a language and social anthropologist and studies this stuff. I, on the other hand, same mother, same father, same gene pool, <laughs> I'm competent in English, maybe kind of can order a beer in French and maybe can figure out how to get somewhere in Spanish. <laughs> so I don't, I don't know. Maybe it's just something the way your brains are wired. But uh, talk about what you do. Maybe more importantly, what drove you to start a business like this? Um, maybe some case studies. So let's start with tell a little bit about yourself and, and what led you to starting Clear English Coach. Well, thank you. I've had a really fascinating journey when I look back at um, the way my life has has traversed. Um, mm -hmm. And so I've always been kind of a creative thinker, but I've always loved travel. My father was in the Air Force, so I moved nine times by the time I was in the ninth grade. So always the new kid on the block and having to make the effort to meet people and get involved and, you know, start over again and again. But my love of language has kind of started from my travel. I didn't get a chance to start traveling till I was in my 40s, I guess. And, but my first language had been French in high school. And so I traveled to Jonquière, Canada to study French and took 
you know, have a minor in French. Not that I speak it fluently, but that's the no file cabinet. That's un peu. Je parle un peu. Oh, okay, there you go. <laughs> so no international flavor here today. File cabinet that seems to open when I'm trying to learn a new language. So with my traveling, I wanted to be able to interact with the locals. I mean, I was more of a traveler than a tourist. Mm-hmm. And so I would stay for a length of time. So I learned to speak of smatterings of the French, Italian, Japanese, Bahasa mm-hmm. Indonesian, Thai, mm-hmm. and Spanish. So I lived in Thailand for two years. And that was when I really had the chance to understand what it means to be an expat mm-hmm. and how frustrating it is to try to say words and people don't understand you. So I had, because to supplement my art background, I have actually a master's in fine art and have been an entrepreneur since I was about 25. So mm-hmm. with different kinds of jobs, but I've always taught in the university after I finished my MFA. And so since about 1989, I've been teaching in the academic field. So being able to have a flexible schedule, I had a friend invited me to start teaching ESL in University of Houston. And I loved it because I had already been teaching textiles, which is like a foreign language to some people, because it's based on vocabulary and comprehension. And I said, well, I speak English. I should be able to teach ESL. So prior to that, um, I was a homestay mother for students learning to speak English as a second language in Houston. And they lived with me and we interacted and I provided meals. And so I had a chance to have really the world come travel to me first. And that was my beginning of recognizing the, how much I wanted to learn about other cultures. So interesting. Very yeah, interesting. So By the way, for those of you who may not know, ESL stands for English as a second language, which is a designation that somebody who doesn't speak English fluently or completely fluently would be given when they come here to the United States, especially if they're in a school system or something. Um, so give me, can you give us an example? First of all, I think this is an important skill. This is 2022 now, right? We right. are obviously uh, national countries, but it's become such an international yes. mm-hmm. landscape, right? I mean, I, I, I was on the a Zoom this morning with somebody from Australia mm-hmm. and Japan and Uruguay, four of us together. Pretty, I mean, how could that happen otherwise, right? Right. Right. And uh, fortunately, everybody spoke English. The Uruguayan person was very good at English, but otherwise we would have had to speak Spanish and we would have been stuck. But so I think you're doing very important work. Why? Let's get right to a core question. Why is accent reduction so important? Why couldn't somebody just speak with an accent? Well, there's nothing wrong with an accent. We all have accents. I have an accent. It's what I discovered. Yeah, wait, though, I haven't noticed. What kind of? Oh, yeah, yeah. oh y'all. well. Well, now I don't talk with a real Southern accent, so I can talk like this and it's a whole lot more Southern, but (laughs) so I've tried to modify. Yours yours is more of a colloquial kind of regional accent as opposed to like Ricky Ricardo, you know, kind of. um, Well, I tell people I've lived in the South. My father was in the Air Force, but I've lived in, you know, five, mostly five Southern states. Mm -hmm. Which is fine. Yes, that's good. Nice. He was from, he was from New Jersey, actually. And my mother was from Missouri. So we actually had a blend of some accents growing up, but having been so mobile, it learned to kind of modify itself. So it wasn't really. uh, Let me me rephrase the question. Why would a person who feels 
maybe their accent is an impediment, maybe in their job world, maybe their employment. Why would they seek somebody like you out to kind of standardize their language? Well, what I discovered is that when I was teaching ESL at University of Houston, most of our students had a great knowledge of grammar, reading, and writing. The academic English was very strong, but when they would get up to try to do a presentation, or if they were trying to com communicate with an American speaker, they couldn't understand them. Hmm. Their language, their communication skills were hampered because their accent, they hadn't really learned the basic foundation for modifying their accent enough to not impose their own alphabet on the American alphabet. So they were having trouble really saying words that we couldn't understand. Many times it had to do with articulation, which was the alphabet. And other times it was intonation. Many non-native English speakers sound very flat to us. They don't have the melody that English speakers use. So, so when you so say- yeah. I'm sorry to interrupt you. So let's give an example. So you get somebody who's maybe Spanish. In Spanish, H's are silent. H's right? are silent. So they might say hotel. But or, they don't give it any pitch change. Hotel. Hotel. Right, right. So we're thinking, well, what's the guy talking about? Hotel. We don't know what hotel is. But <laughs> right. So, so, you, so what, you're, what you were suggesting is that they would take the phonetic and grammatical rules of their native language and superimpose them upon English. Mm -hmm plus the um, stylistic presentation of it. And between the two of them, it would become much less understandable to a native English speaker. Well, think about it. Yeah, I get it. Nobody okay. teaches us how to speak with a melody of an American accent. When we no, are one, two, and three just, years it old, right. it's what we hear. Our voice develops and our patterns develop by what we hear growing up. Mm -hmm. Nobody taught us about intonation in school. No. speaking English. So this was something that I had to start recognizing. We didn't teach that in the academic programs either. So no, when I because, started, right. I got you. I, and so, so it's a habit. It's an unconscious habit. And our voices are what we have developed because of what we hear. Our muscles develop because of the, what we're learning. Our, we our hearing and our speaking go together. Yes. So that's why different languages have different tones and different sounds that they use because they hear it. Their muscles develop to do that. English mm -hmm. uses a lot more articulation of our tongue than other languages do. Really? We open our mouth more than other languages <laughs> do. <laughs> you mean in like, in, like a, in like a linguistic sense as opposed to just talking We're, We use a lot more <laughs> air. We're filled with a lot of hot air. Americans are filled with a lot of hot air. You hear air. that? You heard it here first, folks, Donna. <laughs> so, so, so why? What, what, so so let, I'm, let me get back to the kind of thing. I, I'm okay. moving here from uh, Nicaragua. My mm -hmm. native language is, is Spanish. I, I moved to Houston. I'm trying to get a job as a waiter in a restaurant or, or a customer service. Or, or even in management, you know, whatever, something, whatever I can do. And I come to you and say, Donna, help me. And, um, you know, so we're, how, how do you, do, how does this work? So, so I would ask them, well, what problems are you having? The number one problem most people have is that they have to repeat themselves. And even repeating themselves, people can't understand them. And mm -hmm. it's frustrating. It's frustrating for them, them, and it's frustrating for the listener. And after a while, most of us won't be very tolerant. Most Americans actually don't speak a second language and mm -hmm. don't realize the struggle that it has taken to be able to 
learn a second language and function in another country. So to me, what I'm trying to do is reduce that frustration, equalize that playing field for them to be able to go through an interview, to be able to have a working knowledge so that they feel comfortable and can be themselves in this second language and to be effective. I mean, part of it, communication, our voice is our most important communication tool. And if we're using it in a way that is not effective and not able to either influence people or to give a good impression, it mm -hmm. affects us. It, we become, we're either discriminated against, there's a lot of bias and prejudice based on accent. There's a hierarchy with accents, just like other, other mm -hmm. things. For better but or this worse. is something that affects you on the phone. It affects you person to person. It really makes a difference on your connection with somebody, your emotional connection with somebody when you're speaking. If they don't understand you, they pretty much dismiss you after a while. Your brain just shuts off and you go, eh, you know, you just, I want to talk to somebody else. How long does it take <laughs> for this? I mean, I'm sure it's very variable. Yes. But if somebody came to you January 1st and said, Donna, please help me in whatever their accented language was, are they going to be, uh, I can't think of better, better? How long will, how long will it take for them to show some amount of improvement? And how long do you think it might take typically for them to be uh, uh, normalized? I, I'm, I, I'm, my vocabulary is bad, but. Neutralized you know or, or modified enough. Modified. Okay. There you go. I didn't so, know what the correct term there was. A lot of, People ask me that and I say it's kind of like learning to play piano or going to the gym. It has to do with muscle coordination and control, mm -hmm. and it has to do with building muscle memory between your brain and your lips and mouth. If you were going to mm -hmm. go to the gym and you only went once a week, how fast, how, how fast would you be able to get in shape? It's going to take I mean, a while. Not at all, right. If you do it three times a week, you're gonna improve that progress. If you do it five times a week, it's gonna improve even more because it's the mm. repetition and the, right. and the consistency is actually the answer to it. It's not rocket science, but I actually teach it with mouth and tongue exercises because mm. until they learn to control those muscles again and become conscious of how they're using their mouth and I have all of them use a mirror they need a mirror because you've got to help your brain see what your mouth is doing. I have, <laughs> I have oh. Spanish students that are trying really hard to, in Spanish, the B and V is not two separate sounds. They say it's, I'm, I'm very, it's very nice. It's very nice because B and V sound the same in their alphabet. Mm. So when I tell them in English, our V is underneath our teeth, V. It's very nice. And they can say over and over, it's very nice. It's very nice. It's, they do not have the muscle coordination and control to say very nice. Really interesting. And so to get them to watch themselves in a mirror so that they can see that their lips, your lips do not close for a V. Hmm. They don't no, recognize. I'm saying very, very, yeah, you're right. You can't. Try to say any people out there. Pause for a second. <laughs> Try to keep your mouth shut and say very. Hey, by the way, I want to introduce everybody. Donna Durbin. Donna is the guest today on the Make the Great podcast. This is all about 
given you strategies, actions, things to help you accelerate your path to success. And, and this is, is a real, I don't, I don't want to say problem. This is a challenge for a lot of people. And most of you listen to this probably are English speaking, but imagine it in reverse if you went to another country. I was in Mexico a little while ago. I'm trying to learn Spanish so I'm gonna, it can be a little more fluent. And even if my Spanish was flawless, my accent's never going to be, right? You know what I'm thinking, Donna? Two things. Number one, you're like a personal trainer for voice. I am. Yeah, I like that. It's, 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 it sounds like dynamic. And, and um, it, it reminds me of two. One of my mother's favorite movies, and you probably know where I'm going with this. My oh, Fair Lady, remember? I think so. Right, right. It, it's kind. Of, you're kind of like um, what was the name? Um, 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 um Higgins. Um, Professor Higgins, Higgins and Liza, right? right. Mm-hmm. Liza Doolittle, and you know the rain in Spain falls immediately uh-huh. on exactly. the plane. That's a great example. That's a great example. I should have my students watch. Now, in her case, it was it was English, right? She just had a very uh, Cockney or whatever Welsh uh, kind of English, and he was trying it to make a her Cockney, yeah, Cockney. And he was trying to make her like more of an aristocratic. It's a uh, very thing. polished, and and again, even in Europe, there are you know they can place you depending on even the part of the London that you live in based mm-hmm. on your accent. Well, we, we can do that here. You could tell somebody who's from like say Boston versus uh, the South versus the Midwest. I mean, there, there's definitely. Um, it's, it's surprising how many non-native English speakers think that, that there's one accent in America. And I tell well, them, no, there's no, there many accents. Let me, let me tell you something. This is uh, maybe something I should be careful, but. I was in Europe at a point where there was a lot of anti-American sentiment. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It was, this was in the um, late eighties mm-hmm. and um, not like dangerous, but just, it wasn't great. And I would just tell everybody I was Canadian. Right. And, and they, they, they couldn't tell. I mean, except this lesson right. saw my passport, but which I wasn't showing them. And, um, and it wasn't completely untrue because my grandmother was Canadian, but, but I had never lived in Canada, right. but it was really Mm-hmm. a safety thing i mean there were some areas where they were just very uh, especially in in uh, some countries they just there were some political things that were going on nothing to do with me or anybody else but the countries were, were not getting along and and, and they they a, a non-english speaker has trouble differentiating like say an australian from right. an american from a british from a canadian and english speakers can do that fairly well um well, yeah. for example, a lot of my British, a lot of my Indian speakers and ones from, say, um, Nicaragua, um, mm-hmm. Nigeria, the ones who learned British English growing up mm. as their second language, because they also have their native, native language. Right, right. But they recognize that an American accent has different intonation and pronunciation than a British accent. Mm. We don't we we British accents say water. I want a glass of water. <laughs> we say water. We water, have a water. vocalic You're R. You're not from Philadelphia. We, <laughs> we, well, we pronounce all of our R's yes, we do. in a word rather than just leaving them open. Some yes. of my Spanish and Hindi students always roll their R's. You know, so oh. they have to, they roll their R's. So we don't roll our R's in English. So I have to get them to stop that natural habit. It's like an automatic behavior. So So it takes them time. Let me ask you a question. If someone gets through your whole program Uh successfully, and now they're, they're in separate or indifferentiable from an American speaker. Oh, I never promised that. I never, I'm saying, I'm not saying you promised that. Let's just say it happens. Well, lose 
their ability to speak in their native language oh, with their no. accent? Oh, no. Because oh, that's no. so ingrained from You can life. default back to that immediately. In fact, I work with people for an hour, an hour and a half, and they've really cleaned up a lot of their accent. And the minute we stop focusing on it, they've immediately reverted back mm. to their accent. And I kept saying, wait, 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 what happened? <laughs> what happened? You just completely went back. And so anytime they're around their family members or they're speaking their own language, it immediately can come back. So that's not something you ever lose. It's like learning to ride a bicycle. You never learn. You never forget. You may have to be warm it up a little bit. Right. You right. never forget. Can you, can you give us a case study? Can you give us a success story? Somebody came to you and. Yes. Yes. Um, one of my most recent Hindi students, Buma, who is in Mumbai, India. Okay. And when she first started working with me, I guess it's been about six months ago. I could barely understand anything she said. Now, you've got to remember, she lives in India. She doesn't have an opportunity to speak English all the time. But she wants to work in America or in an international company. She does a lot of networking. She's done a lot of, she's doing Toastmasters. She's doing a lot of things to give herself an opportunity to speak English. She started working with me. And my gosh, she worked so hard. She spent anywhere about an hour every day doing the exercises, doing the assignments, doing the practice. Well, about two weeks ago, she's continued to improve and she has really modified her intonation. About two weeks ago, she said she won first place in her Toastmasters contest. And I said, oh my gosh, Booma, that is incredible. She says, I used to be over here and now I'm all the way over here. But then she came back and she said, I hadn't been coming to practice for about two weeks. And she says, Miss Durbin, I've lost everything. <laughs> and I said, no, you just need to be refreshed. And within about 15 minutes, she had regained her clearer American articulation and intonation. But she's one of my success cases. She spent, she was very committed, very consistent with her practice. And again, she was having to get up at like six or 5 a.m. in the morning to be in my coaching calls in the evening because I do two live coaching calls a week. I do two live coaching calls a week. And then they have the digital course that they can go back and do the activities and exercises and recordings and practice. The reason I did this digital course, because in reality, most of my students would practice when they were with me but they didn't practice in between. Maybe because so they don't have anybody, they may not have anybody to practice with. Well, but these are ones when I was just, cause I was teaching this in person before COVID. And so I had groups in okay. person that I did a lot with. Mm -hmm. And what they would say is that we've learned so much in the class, but I didn't really practice. So I thought, what can I do to create a way so that it's a more of a daily routine for people. And that's when I started designing a digital course that gives Oh, two to five minute lessons. They're not long lessons, but it's to get the consistency and build that habit of checking in and consciously changing your speech for that length of time to build the brain connection and the muscle memory, because you're trying to really create new muscle memory. That's why it takes repetition. When we were learning to spell growing up, we would say the word out loud. We would write it. We would spell it. Right. We would say it again. 
Okay, so that repetition, those many different ways of learning helps to lock it in place. And that's what my students have to do. We respell words to make it sound like what they want it to look like, how they want it to spell. English spelling is crazy. It's all over the place. Yeah, it's it's tough. I mean, even for American or English even, speaking people, even for English speakers, don't make I, any sense at all. Like we, you know, W E I G H T. Where that come yeah, from? Yeah, or no, K N O W. Yeah, I know, I know. <laughs> so I know. part of it, I We're say, two, guys, two, two, so many different twos. That's right. Hey, um, how do people get a hold of you, Donna? How would you um, uh, website clearenglishcoach.com. Right. Uh huh. And my YouTube channel is Clear English Coach YouTube channel. I get a lot of my clients find me from my YouTube videos. I try to put out very effective, useful, helpful videos out there. So my 15 minute mouth and tongue exercises is on my YouTube channel. Hmm. And then I have other ones. I also have a five day challenge that they can try if they just want to sample working with me. And I have a special offer that on the first Monday of every month, I give a free live coaching accent production uh-huh. lesson. Hmm. And so all they have to do is just go to my, they can go to my website and there is a, a link that they can sign up for the first Monday coaching session. And okay. it put them into a course that gives them a reminder that that time is coming up. And then they sign on to Zoom and we have a chance to have a lesson, introductions and practice together. So that will be clear English coach com might as well hey take the free lesson why not hey um two things real quickly mm-hmm. you know where you would do well because i i've done a lot i spent a lot of time in mexico and and in dominican republic and some of these places there's such a need for good english-speaking people in resorts because they cater because they their tourism is you know 90 percent of their economy right. and they people learn english I mean, it, it's, this is sort of a sad statement. They learn English just so they can get a job as a waiter in a yeah. resort, which sure, I guess sure. yeah. for better or worse is a good situation for some people in this situation. Well, hospitality, hospitality. Hospitality, yeah. Okay. Um, but now just to be clear, you don't teach English per se. You're not like, uh, yeah, you're not instructing them on how to learn English. No. You're no. taking a person who's more or less communicative or maybe fluent. They have a working knowledge. They have a working, working knowledge. And actually good. most of my clients are, again, have been working in an English environment for several years. I have one client that's been living in the United States for 30 years and mm. she still has such a strong accent that she wanted to improve it. She's very much motivated about self-improvement. Mm-hmm. Many of my clients find that they get locked into a position. I had one Hindi or Indian student that said that he's, trained English speaking, the technology, but they move past him and he's still in that same position. And yet he, now they're his, he's what the ones he trained are now his boss, even though he trained them, he said, it's because they speak English better than I do. Hmm. So his sure accent, yeah, his accent has, has put a limit on the level of his kind of put a ceiling on his advancement in his career. And that's what a lot of people that find me individually have discovered is mm. that they can't move past being behind the computer screen and start doing meetings, start having leadership roles because they're either feeling insecure about their speaking or they have to repeat themselves or people just don't take them as the authority. I had one doctor I worked with and he said, I'm the specialist, 
And yet they'll turn to my nurse and ask her what I said. He said, I don't want this. I want a team. I want to be able to be effective. And so I have worked with him to improve Very interesting. English. Now he works in ICU. He works in intensive care. Clearly he's an intelligent person. He's just hamstrung because of the language barrier. Intelligence doesn't have anything to do with an accent. Right, right. Well, that's what I meant. He's being held back in the environment he's in Mm -hmm. because of his inability or the inability of people to understand him. His patient doctor um, relationship suffers because Mm -hmm. he can't speak English clear enough. And most of when we think about our medical field, we have lots of people from other countries that are in the medical field now. And many of them, we have difficulty understanding. But they're so one of the biggest complaints I get from students is what I do not mean this in any xenophobic or whatever way, especially in in college and math, is that a lot of the TAs are are from Taiwan uh, teaching math and they can't understand them. Um, I had the same experience. They're brilliant calculus people, but they can't. They don't know how to teach, and the accent is prohibitive. And, um, you know, again, I'm not saying this to denigrate anybody, but uh, it's a common complaint I get from kids I I work with like in my tutoring. And part Um, of that really issue is, is that the university does not provide. Yeah, well, right. They're not doing anything. The language difficulty, because I myself experienced, I had a Vietnamese um, TA that I was taking algebra from, Mm -hmm. and I couldn't understand anything he said. And it was frustrating. And I mean, he did, he was doing the very best he knew how. Right. It wasn't that he didn't know the material, but his communication skills were lacking. Right. So that's yeah, where I, mean, I really right. passionate. Well, let's, uh, <laughs> let me sum this up a little bit. Donna has a course, digital course called ABCs of the American or an American accent, one year coaching program, and they transform lives. I assume they can check this out at clearenglishcoach.com, right? Yes, they would have to schedule a call with me. I interview every student that is interested because not all students are really qualified to be in that course. And then if they're interested in just learning more basic English, I encourage them to find other programs that can help them with their grammar, their vocabulary, that kind of thing. Because I'm not, I don't teach that. I work on their speaking only. And I would say from the experience of my current clients is that it is challenging for them even when they know um, they know English they understand it they have a working vocabulary for it but to learn to change their delivery their voice and their accent uses a different part of their brain than the other part it's an unconscious part and you really have to wake it up so they say this is most of them it takes anywhere from three to six months sometimes nine months, sometimes a year. So that's why I designed this course that they can self-graduate before that, but they have Mm -hmm. a lifetime access to the lessons and the materials. But I have found that realistically, it takes at least six months to a year to change. Think about if you go to the gym or if you go learn to play piano. Um, Any habit is going to take effort and consistency. Exactly. Is there anything, hey, this is the Make the Great Podcast, your host, Stephen Green, Donna Durbin. Clear English Coach is with us today. Don, is there anything we didn't get to you want to get to real quick before we wrap up and have our fun game? Um, I would just say that, you know, I 
am so, I respect so much the people that leave their homes, leave their families and try to start over in an English speaking environment. Mm -hmm. And if there's anything, I believe that what I'm doing is really providing them the next advanced level to really improve their delivery and communication skills so they can succeed and be themselves and reach their potential. We need their talents and their skills in the world. There you go. And you know, that's a big, well, those of you who are fans and subscribers of the podcast know that's a big theme here, working to your potential. Donna, let's try something fun. You ready? <laughs> okay. I do it all my guests. I know Donna's shocked and surprised, but this is, I don't know what's no going to happen. Okay. Is this easy? I call us my fave five. Your fave five. Oh my fave gosh. Five. I may that's not. It. I'm going to just say something. You, you tell me, you give me your first, what your favorite thing is. Okay. Oh my goodness. Okay. No, we're going to start with a very easy one. Okay. Okay. Dessert. Pie. Pie. Any particular kind? Uh, I'm thinking strudel, like a strudel pie. Okay. Apple, cinnamon, strudel. Oh, oh apple, I love apple crumb. Mm. Okay. Well, yeah, something like that. Uh, music. Blues. Blues. Oh, mm -hmm. yeah. Blues. There we go. That's a, you think you're the first person ever said that. Really? Oh, okay. I think so. Place to vacation. Oh, Bali. Really? Bali, Indonesia, right? Wow. If I was going to go someplace, that was my favorite part of the world. That's my favorite place in the world. Dogs or cats? Dogs. Dog person. Okay. Ketchup, mustard, or salsa? You're, if you're from Texas, I think I know where this is going. Ketchup. Ketchup. Dang, I, I had your salsa girl. No. Huh? <laughs> I don't eat chilies. I don't eat peppers. I can't. No eat picante. No, no picante. No, no, no jalapeno. No, okay. No, and that's why that's in Thailand. It was. Where really do you eat in Houston? Yeah, where did you eat in Thailand? It's like. Uh, uh, really? I'm, my prick, my side prick, my pet. No, not hot. No peppers. No, <laughs> it's very hard there. to eat. It was very hard to eat. Anything on your bucket list you want to share? I want to go to Barcelona. Barcelona. Mm -hmm, Barcelona. I get, last year I, I checked off one, which was to do a hot air balloon ride. And I did that last year in Scottsdale, outside of Scottsdale. So Barcelona is next Adrenaline one. junkie. Well, I don't know that it was that. It wasn't that. That was the hot air balloon. That, that sounds like one of those things that would be really cool. I'm afraid of heights. I've shared that. People know that about me. I don't know if I could get in a hot air balloon. But you know, it's quiet. I, you, I'm don't sure have it any, is. I, you don't have any resistance. Yeah, but Don, you're talking to somebody. I'm, I'm kind of even afraid. I'm afraid to look out the window of a plane. <laughs> it's, I don't know where it oh, came Oh, well, from. I don't know. I found it fascinating. I, I would say that the more the thrill was doing the zip line in the jungles. The in zip Costa lines Rica. I like. I've done zip lines in Costa Rica and the but Dominican and Mexico. Can do a hot air. I, I guess. I guess I could always stand in the middle of it. <laughs> pretty awesome. Well, it um, just—it's amazing because you don't feel any air resistance because you're floating with it. So there's no like draft or whatever. There's no—you're hmm. just with it. It's. Really yeah, I think there's one of these in Chicago too, but they build a building in Philadelphia. It's like 50 stories high, and there's an observation deck at the top where there's a glass floor. I don't like doing that so much. No, no, no way. I don't that, like I mean, that. And there's a restaurant, right? To, there's like a restaurant kind of bar there and you can go out to where there's glass floor. It's a beautiful view of the city. But I mean, you're literally like looking through your feet, like yeah. 50 floors down. That, that really kind of cool. gives me the thrill. I mean, yeah, that I, I can't handle it. Okay. Um, let's see if we can do last one. Beverage. Beverage. Oh, water. <laughs> wow. Okay. 
water. I will not share some of the answers I've gotten from other people, but I think you can know where we're going. Listen, I want to thank Donna, Donna Durbin, Clear English Coach. Her business is clearenglishcoach.com. I think this is something, for, this is pretty unique. I've had hundreds of people on this podcast and you're really, this is a, a, kind of your own little niche. Um, many success coaches and, and you know, uh, academic things and things like this. But I think this is a fascinating thing. And I think you're doing a great service for the people who need it. And I think it's kind of just a statement of, of where we are you know, kind of in the state of our world. You know, this is um, we, we all want to be try to support each other and be a little more um, sensitive to people's uh, realities and things like this. And I think what you're doing is great. Um, so I want to thank this. you. Too. I'm very honored to be on here, Stephen. So thank you so much for the opportunity. And I do. I think I'm bringing my part to contribute to peace in the world. There you go. Because when we can communicate with each other and understand that we're all we're more alike than different. Mm -hmm. um, and that's one of the things that when I've traveled, I've always really recognized that I can learn a lot from these other countries. And it helps me not only appreciate what I have in my country, but it also helps me see that there's a lot of things that are missing in mm -hmm. my country that other countries have. Yeah, I think on a human level, mm -hmm. people get along a lot better if we just dropped all the pretenses yeah. and then. Mm -hmm. Some of the things that are just sort of imposed upon us, but that that's another discussion. All right. Once again, let me implore everyone, reach out to Donna, clearenglishcoach.com, see what's going on with her. Maybe try her Monday class. Yeah. This I'm is the Make the Great Podcast. If you liked what you heard today, and by the way, I got a little secret for you. It's the first time Donna was ever on a podcast. Can you believe it? Let's have a big hand for her. Hang on. Can you hear that? I'm just not coming through. Here. The <laughs> audience is cheering. Here we go. Let me do it again. There we go. <laughs> now, this is Donna's first podcast, but she's clearly a professional. She's got a lot of experience in this. This is the Make the Read podcast. Our goal is to give you, the listener, things you can take action with, things that you can do to accelerate your journey to success. We have got some really interesting guests coming up. I've got some really good solo podcasts coming out. If you liked what you heard, please subscribe. More importantly, please share this with other people because I think, honestly, the more people that hear this information, the more people have access to it, the more people we are able to help and put in a better situation in their lives. So until next time, let's roll the music. There we go. Uh, we'll see you again. Thanks again, Donna. Thank you, Stephen. This was great. Really had a good time. Thanks again. All right. Here we go. You've been listening to Make the Grade with the success doctor, Stephen Green. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to subscribe. For more resources and support, please visit makethegrade.net.